Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Please subscribe to the pod. They're free wherever you get your pods. And there's five episodes per week, and this is the Friday episode. Happy Friday, guys. Get those beers flowing. It is time, and I'm delighted to welcome back onto the show, Alex Carver returns. How are we doing, Alex? Oh, Pete, doing good. It's been a challenging week down here in mm-hmm. South Florida. Uh, I told you before, um, you know, prayers out to everybody on the West Coast because it hasn't been an easy time here for the state. I uh, got some weather this uh, this week, but um, everything's holding up pretty well and uh, we're doing good. So thanks again for having me on. I appreciate good you man. thinking of me. Uh, glad to be with you. Good man. Listen, the reason the main headline news, the Marlins, they have a champ. They have a champion, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. That rolls right off the tongue. They are the kings, the champs in the Southern League. Um, and actually, it came down to a winner-takes-all, Uri Perez going for uh, for the Blue Wahoos. And it was a little bit of an interesting start. We'll get into that specifically. But a big come-from-behind come win with a salami mixed in the mix. What a way to finish it for those boys and to take that championship. Yeah, man, really fun season for that team. Um, it's been a great team to follow the whole way through from spring training when we got the news that, that Yuri was going there and Dax was going, you know, Dax wound mm-hmm. up there. And, you know, all these guys are, are going up to double A and getting that challenge and really living up to the challenge, I would say, for most of these guys. Um, it's been really, really, really a fun team to follow. Um, great stuff. Uh, just a fun team that you could tell the clubhouse is really fun there. Yeah. Um, and then the drive and the will to win, you know, winning isn't everything at the minor league level. Of course, whenever competitors go out, they want to win, but, uh, man, these guys never said to die. Uh, you know, they lost the first game, uh, of this, of this, uh, championship series at home. And then they had to go on the road to Tennessee in the midst of what was then thought of a hurricane to be striking directly <laughs> in Pensacola. Yeah. And they go on the road thinking, man, we may not come back to, uh, we may come back to some damage and stuff like that, where we live and everything else. But they go on the road. Thankfully, the hurricane went somewhere else. So that I think was, I thought that was going to play into their minds as well, especially these guys that are playing in double A and in Pensacola for the first time and getting used to playing there and stuff. I thought it was dead serious after that loss. But no, they go to Tennessee um, against the Smokies team, their affiliated with the Cubs, who's a very good team. And they win two straight. They got Pat, Pat Monteverde last night, who had a good start. And then Yuri last night was up and down. But Overall, pretty good. Bullpen came in and did well. And then Kobe Vance, like, literally took that game over with five RBIs, including wow. Grand Slam, like you said. Um, just unsung hero kind of stuff from him, man. Uh, rule five, uh, minor league rule five guy, like I told you before, mm. uh, just stepping up at a, in a big moment. So um, it's great to see, man. Um, I really, really like that team, that vibe of not on that team all year with Eric Bremer in the booth and Quinn Studer behind the scenes. It's just been a great vibe for them in their second year as a Marlins affiliate um it's it was awesome to see them get a championship and like you said um you know we have it you know we can do it you know we just got to build it so we just got to bring it bring it and build it to the major league level so great stuff for them first time in franchise history that they stand alone as a southern league champion uh and they've been affiliated with some great great teams with with, uh, other other major league organizations so um to do that in their second year with the marlins it's it's huge um probably a bigger story than than many people give credit to but um I was all over it last night on Twitter. I know other people <laughs> as well. But uh, yeah, been a fun team all year, so I'm happy for them. No doubt. And this this may not be easy for you to answer, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, and maybe I have, but and, and I haven't prepped you for this, but, but nevertheless, 
Do you do you have a favorite affiliate that you actually follow more? I mean, it's like picking between your kids, really, right? But I mean, and, and it'll yeah. vary depending on maybe where guys are. And there's, you know, I know you've got tons of connections there, but is there one affiliate that you lean to more heavily than any of the others? Ah, uh, man, I, I love my engagement <laughs> with the Wahoo's Twitter account. We always have fun together. Yeah. Um, you know, we always talk crap together during games and after games and stuff like that. So it's it's great engagement for me with them on Twitter. But then mm. Jupiter is the one I get out to the most because it's the closest to me. So I went to about mm. nine, ten games this year. Um, I plan to go to more, but with my hour switching at the day job, it was a little bit more uh, challenging than I would have liked. But you you'll get something fun at every one of these affiliates. Um, it's the minor league feel. You'll go to the stadium, you know, not expecting to see the huge crowd, but expect it to have, well, I guess in Miami, we don't expect to see huge crowds either, but um, you'll see, you'll see a lot of fun. They do, um, they have the old time feel, especially here in Jupiter and Pensacola, they do as well. They mm. do the funny zany promotions. Jacksonville's really good with it. Pensacola with the mullet nights and stuff. It's just, it's just overall really fun how marketing does with these minor league teams as a whole. Um, and then here in Jupiter, you have that really old time feel. You're literally like three miles away from the beach. It's a great atmosphere there in Abacoa. Um, those of us who go to spring training and that have been to spring training can tell you that that stadium is really fun always to be around. So it's hard to pick one, uh, Beloit as well. Um, they just moved into a brand new stadium. It looks awesome. The reviews are amazing, but it's also that old time feel stadium with the brick yeah. building, uh, right there on the rock river. Um, so it, it's, it's a fun organization to be around as a whole, um, at the minor league level. Um, so to pick one is hard, but if, if I had to pick one, just because I engage with them so much and I know all of my other friends, like I'm going to get texts and stuff like, why didn't you say us on Pete's podcast? But <laughs> if I had to pick one and you narrow me down to picking one, I would pick Pensacola just because of everything that they do with merch. I'm wearing the hat right now, as you can see. Um, but they, you know, they have a championship t-shirt out now. They do the mullet nights. They do the roach race. Like they do so many things that are just like, Oh, you point to it and you go, okay, that's minor league baseball. So they keep it so fun. They stay engaged with me all the time. Um, they make the players very available. This whole organization does, but especially them. Um, their media people are great, starting with Daniel Venn, uh, Eric Bremer, who's their play-by-play -play broadcaster, who did a fantastic job this year. So it's just a great, fun team to follow. I know that community is very invested in that team, living the Wahoos life, as they call it. So uh, I live that every day during baseball season, um, and it's it's been really fun to start doing. So um, a, a fun team to be affiliated with. I'm glad that they're here. I'm glad that they're part of the Marlins. So if you made me pick one, it would be Pensacola. It's it's a tough one. I know I know how tough that uh, question is for you. So I won't I won't press you too hard on it. But I do hope you you get a few texts from a few others saying what the hell. Yeah, but anyway, I probably will. I probably will. But that's okay. So <laughs> I love uh, that too. just over a week ago as well, the 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 Marlins announced various awards uh, yeah. for various you know for each of the teams for each of the the affiliates plus like overall pitcher and player of the year and a few other awards. So I thought it was a good time for us to come together and and talk about some of the award winners and equally you can shine a light on, you know, their performances through the year. Like what's, what's taken them to this point? Cause a lot of the names actually, particularly at the, the kind of upper levels, let's say are, are pretty familiar. I would say there's some really familiar names that's had some buzz. So it's great to see that they're being, that you know, their, their, their development continues, which is great. Let's start though, right at the top. We've already talked about him uh, and pitcher of the year, perhaps no surprises. This is Uri Perez. And if we we've talked about him for years now, literally years, which is great, and you know, you boys were on this one very early. The the star has truly ascended, though. Now, literally, an overall consensus top ten prospect in baseball now, and yeah. 
I think it's fair to say he probably deserves the pitcher of the year for the uh, for the Marlins affiliates, right? Uh, he definitely deserves it, um, for sure. Um, this is a kid who is 19 years old pitching in double-A baseball. Uh, he was given that push, and man, another push, I should say, because I was not last year I was not expecting him to start what he did, um, and he did, and he did so well. And then this year he goes to double-A, and again, you see it. So it's permeating success. Uh, mm-hmm. He did struggle with the injury uh, a little bit here uh, late in the season. He did have to come back from it, but he came back pretty quickly from it. It was just simple arm fatigue. Uh, we put that out. Uh, but yeah, um, man, you talk about us having it first. I, I it, it really was not me. Uh, it wasn't. It was Daniel DeVivo who had this first. So I have to credit Daniel. He was sending me the videos. I'm like, yeah, he looks good. But the repeatability, I think he's got to clean it up. Then last year in Jupiter, like I said, he got the push to Jupiter. Very well with it. Um, really cleaned it up. You started seeing those 97, 98s more consistently deeper into starts. Um, and then this year it's permeated up to the double a level and guys just when he has his control, I mean, he's, when he's quick and guys can't hit him. Uh, no. so he is really that good, um, at 19 years old. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's something that you don't see a lot. Um, it really isn't to have that level of production at this age is ridiculous. Uh, he has the size that he has Uh tall, lanky kid as of course, as we see from him, um, and just so much deception in his delivery he throws from such a high arm slot. Like it's, 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 it's really, really, really encouraging four pitches ordering on five pitches that are just so good. Um, wants to add in a slider. He, he told us that earlier this season. I think he has. So just another weapon for him. So it's just a guy that is really, really a phenom. And the next great thing to come, not only for the Marlins, um, especially with how the Marlins develop pitching, but not only for the Marlins, but a guy all around baseball, minor league baseball that has gotten the respect that he deserves. So yeah. um, you can't argue against it. I really don't think you can. I did have another guy, believe oh. it or not. I did have another guy who I thought could have won this award. I'm not against Yuri winning it at all. I did have another guy, though, that mm-hmm. I thought was not far away from winning this award. But I'll leave that as it is. Uh, Yuri deserves it. Um, it's it's great. It really is good for him. Um, it's just another feather in the cap, man. And this guy's this guy's going to be really good. What just a quick follow up on Yuri then? What's next for him as we look to twenty twenty three? What yeah. do you see in in the future for him heading into next season and and where he's going to be playing and and what sure. kind of role etc. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I definitely think you will see him pitch for the Miami Marlins in spring training. Um, I don't think they're bringing him to spring training for the first time that he will be in spring training as like I said as a nineteen year old, which is crazy to think about that he's going to be facing off against uh, major league hitters in spring training. Um, it's really something that um, is is difficult to fathom because uh, if he makes the major league roster, if, and this is a very big if, I'm not saying he will, if somehow he does and skips the AAA level, which I don't think he will, but let's just say for the moment that he does, he will be the third player in major league history to make an opening day roster as a 19-year-old pitcher, starting pitcher. So I, I don't think that that is in the realm of possibility. Well, I shouldn't say that because anything is in the realm of possibility for this pitcher because he's that good. I don't think it is likely, uh, but there is a chance. However, let's just say he goes down to AAA to start the year, which I think is most likely that he starts the the season in, in AAA with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I think that's pretty likely. Um, gets off of his innings limit is the big thing for him. I mean, they had him on an innings limit all year. Of course, the injury played into it, but even if the injury did not play into it, he was not going to throw more than 110 innings this year. He was not. Um, they're taking it very careful, very easy, as they should. They should protect yeah. this asset. This is a huge asset. So they're doing it the right way. They had him on a 75 innings limit-ish last year. Um, this year he was 110. I think he finished just shy of that. So um, yeah, this is a guy who they are protecting 100% and they will continue to protect this asset. But 
for him to make it up to the major league level, he does need to be off of that innings limit. So I think what you will see next year is he comes to spring training with the Marlins. He gets under the tutelage of Mel, uh, provided that Mel is still here, which of course we all keeping our fingers crossed on that one because we all think he should be. That's another story. <laughs> Anyways, for Yuri himself, um, I think he will come to spring training and pitch for the Marlins, not just getting that, you know, treatment of, oh yeah, you're just here for the experience. No, I think he's going to throw innings in spring training next year. Mm. Um, they'll probably be pretty limited. Um, like I said, cause you do want to build him back up, especially after this injury, uh, he's going to have off time as well. I don't think he's going to play overseas or anything like that. Um, so especially, like I said, with how the organization is protecting him, I would not expect to see him play anywhere overseas. That said, he will come into spring training next year, hopefully at 100%. Um, I think he was back at hundred percent last night. I, I'm pretty sure he is. Like I said, it was simple arm fatigue. They just wanted to be very careful. So um, I really don't see any worries with the health as of right now. Hopefully that permeates into next season, but um, I think he comes into spring training starts uh, as a non-roster invitee for the Marlins and comes in that way, throws some innings uh, is amongst maybe the first or second round of cuts goes to triple a um, maybe not too long in triple a before this guy could contribute to the Miami Marlins. I really don't think it's going to take much just to prove that you can stay healthy get off of the innings limit. And if the Marlins have that confidence in him that he does not need to be on an innings limit, he will mm. be a Miami Marlin in 2023. It's that close. Baby, baby, baby. Sounds sensational. Uh, it absolutely does. Uh, let's get the let's get our ad queued up and, and, and out of the way here. And then we've got uh, quite a few other guys to, di- uh, to dig into on today's episode. So a uh, reminder, though, guys, that this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.net. And it's your number one source for betting Football betting info this season. It's football season now. Uh, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online it remains your continued source for all your sports, wagering information with live betting, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, then. Where do we go next? We go to the player of the year. Player of the year. I mean, that is a big, big honor. And Yidi Cape, uh, player of the year. That is a huge award. And, I mean, there's an, it's, the name has been talked about for some time. But what's, what has led to Yidi Cape being named player of the year? It sounds like it's been a good year. <laughs> yeah, man. This is, this is one of my favorite... Uh, amongst my favorites, it's hard to say that because these are like, like, like you said, they're like my kids. So like, yeah. <laughs> it's a hard to say my favorite. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick this player. He is very, very, very projectable. Like the projection in Yidi Kape is absolutely insane. I mean, it's a 112 WRC plus in 67 games at age 19. First stateside and full season seasons for him this year. So he came straight out of DSL, FCL, and now he's straight into his first stateside season. Um, didn't really walk a lot is my only thing with him, Pete, um, but also mm. didn't strike out. So 3.6% walk rate, 13% K rate with Jupiter, 278 with Jupiter, normalized BABIP. I think it was like 298 BABIP. So not hard luck, not great luck. So right there in the normalized range and hitting 278 in Jupiter as a 19 year old, we all know that's a very hard place to hit. Very good. Um, what I want to see from him going forward is a little bit more barrel contact, but I think as he grows into his body, very projectable body, like I said, that should come pretty naturally. His swing is so solid. He sees pitches, I think, pretty well. Makes contact more often than not, but what you want to see is more of that plus contact versus that weak contact. I think it was a little bit more weak contact this year, but like I said, he's age 19. He's playing in these hitter-friendly environments, mm. uh, excuse me, pitcher-friendly environments in Jupiter and in um, 
uh, Beloit, both pitcher-friendly parks. So plays multiple positions. I saw him in um, spring training throwing absolute darts and making diving plays at third base. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good. I think he really does have 360-grade tools. Um, I will say that he has the power. I think power projection um, doesn't have it right now. It didn't really show the ton of power this year, but I think the power that he showed was very encouraging. So power, speed, and fielding, I think, are his three very, very projectable tools that makes this guy a very, very, very fun prospect to watch and really cling on to as probably, in my opinion, the top middle infield prospect over Khalil Watson and others. Um, No knock on those guys. But on top of those guys, I think this guy and Jose Salas, too. I love Jose Salas. Mm. I think Yiddy Capé has a higher ceiling than both of those players. So this is a very, very good player. It's a very fun player to watch. Um, you know, he's a little pull heavy on the hit side. I do want to see him be able to cover the field, the whole field a little bit more, but, and this is something that we'll get to as we talk about this Marlins minor league system further. And that I've mentioned before the Marlins have to have to take a prospect like this. That is this good at this young of an age on the offensive side of the ball and be able to coach things like that out of him walk more look at more pitches don't swing at everything that you look at because yeah you can make contact but you need to be able to make that plus contact and swing at a little bit of better pitches that's number one number two be able to go to your opposite field and work opposite field more this guy had was quite pull heavy this year whether he's trying to make an impression or that's just in his tool that needs to be coached out of him i think that's what it is i think it's a little bit of both but this player is very exciting to watch and is extremely coachable extreme projection in Yeti Capé. I had no argument with him being the minor league player of the year. I did not have another candidate. He was my guy as well. So this is a very, very fun player. The Marlins just have to be able to get the most out of him. And if they can, he is very, very fun. And he will be in major league baseball as a starter at some position, whether it's shortstop or third base, I, I would point to third base because of the power projection, but very fun prospect to watch great year for him. Great stuff on the rise, as long as the Marlins can get the most out of it. Boy, the Marlins certainly do have a plethora of young shortstop studs in this system when you look at it. I mean, like you said, Cape, you can kind of you know, take your pick there. But, you know, with Salas, Naz Nunez as well, Khalil Watson, you know, there's a ton of guys lower down the system here now that are very, very intriguing for, for certain Um just because you know, clearly Khalil Watson did not win an MVP for any team. There's been a bit of a struggle for him this year. But just on him, because it's clearly a big name in this system, uh, you know, high draft pick historically. Uh, how did he finish up? How did he finish up after he kind of took his time away from the team? Did did it seem to improve for him? The strikeout was just insane, at, uh, you know, early on in the year. Yeah, I think he got the point, Pete. Um, I, I do. And I really hope that he did. And I think that he did. Um, you know, he was just off the rails to start the year. I mean, we, we, we can just call a spade a spade. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. This guy was, was, was very, very inside of his head and very non-professional uh, for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. You saw it multiple times. Of course it culminated in what he did with the umpire in St. Lucie. But before that he was still benched multiple times in Jupiter for similar behavioral reasons. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a one-time thing. So they needed to make a point to this player, as I think the Marlins organization did, um, and send him down. He went and played with 17-year-olds and 18 to 19-year-olds in the in the FCL, um, and he played there for a little while. He was on the bench for, I think, two weeks. They just suspended him for two weeks. The league did not suspend him. The Marlins made the decision to just hold this player completely out of action mm. for two weeks, and he was not doing anything. 
Um, and then he went on top of that. Did he come right back to the Jupiter Hammerheads? No, they sent him to the FCL and to play with much younger competition. I mean, he's a pretty young kid himself, but you know, he was still playing amongst, you know, he went from playing against 22 and 23 year olds to playing with fellow 18, 19 year olds. Yeah. So um, I really think he got the point. Uh, I, I, I do. Um, and it was better for him in the second half in terms of his behavior. Mm. Um, I, I really didn't see any true problem with him in terms of his uh, behavioral stuff in, in the second half of the season. Um, you know, this is a player who knows that he's good and he plays through the chip and he knows what he has. He knows where he got picked. He knows what he was paid. And for some players that goes to your head. And for this player, it, it did, um, you know, and, and like I said, uh, he, he thought he was going to go higher. He, he didn't go higher than he did. Um, you know, you kind of heard it come out immediately after he was drafted about what happened. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I think his second half was better. Um, and I think he can go into 2023 knowing that, okay, I've had this experience. Now I know where I'm at. Um, now I know how to be a bit more professional and to uh, focus more so on what I can do versus things I can't control. So I think that's what they needed to coach out of this player. And I think they did it pretty well. So yeah, I mean, the stat line isn't impressive overall for the year. Uh, did hit 10 home runs. So he got the double digits, still 16, 16 bases, uh, 752 OPS. So overall, not a horrible uh, start for this guy coming out of high school, going straight to Jupiter, which I said, as I said, is not an easy place to hit. No. I, think he did, I think he did pretty well in the second half. It was a much better second half than her first half. So I'm glad to see positive um, progression for this player, both mentally and on the field. So um, I, I do think that Khalil is a true asset as long, like I said, as long as the Marlins can coach it out of him and as long as he has the mindset to go to work every day and only focus on the things that you can control, not umpire calls, not, you know, uh, things that happen in the field when you get pissed off that a guy gets called safe or whatever it is. <laughs> Just control what you can control. You know, mistakes are going to happen in baseball, especially, you know, at the minor league level. Just grow with the game, man. And I think I think the Marlins got their point across. I, I agree. It's It was definitely a roller coaster for him last year in general. Like, there was, you know, it was ups and downs. They, they The Marlins were looking to kind of push him. And, um, yeah, there was there was obviously some behavioral growing pains, let's say. And let's yeah. hope. Let's hope it's a development year mentally for him. Let's keep it rolling though, mate, because we're we're already running low-ish on time, as we do, me and you. It's it, it's par for the yeah. course. Okay. Um, there's there's I want to talk about Naz Nunez, Jose Salas. Salas was the Jupiter MVP, uh, and Naz Nunez the Beloit MVP. Uh, both of those guys we we've heard about and you've spoken about many times. Um, I've seen a little bit of Naz Nunez kind of popping up on clips, um, you know, through the year and. I must say, it it looks nice. Uh, everything I've seen of Naz Nunez just seems to be really impressive. There's even been, at times, the power stroke seems to have appeared as well at times, which is a bit of a surprise. Just talk about Nunez, what the, what the development path has looked like for him in 22, and, and what you see for him in 23, because future's bright, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. So, Nassim is an awesome dude, first of all. Um, what he's done this year, I mean, Beloit, started with Beloit. Uh, average slightly limited. And when you look at a player like this who doesn't hit for a lot of power, as you just said, what you want to mm -hmm. see is the average, right? So it didn't really pop with uh, with Beloit. So just 247, uh, boosted it up as he got up to a much more hitter-friendly park in Pensacola amongst the jump that he made to double A to 261. Um, but man, the walks all year. This this guy just, just showed an ability to be a pure catalytic type player that isn't going to be easy to get out at the plate. 371 on base percentage. I mean ridiculous on top of his 
superb, incredible 80 grade speed to steal 70 bases in a season. <laughs> just insane. So, and then that speed permeates into the field where he has gift. He is a gift, a gift on defense at shortstop. Mm-hmm. He will be, will be 100%, no doubt in my mind, will be a long term starting shortstop and top of the order hitter that just shows fantastic pitch selection, pitch selectability to swing at picks his swings so so nicely like yeah he's not going to come by a lot of power he's not going to you know put a lot of balls out of the park but this guy pulls puts any ball in play he's he has the ability to get it to second base whether it's a bunt whether it's a dribbler up the middle this guy can get to second base and turn anything into an extra base hit so it is a very exciting spark plug type of player Mm -hmm. that i don't think miami has seen in this regard for a little bit, I mean, you kind of point to guys like maybe Hanley Ramirez when he was younger and he first came here from Boston. Guys like that is kind of what you really point to when you think about Anasim Nunez. And this guy, I think, even though Hanley was good on defense at most times, this guy had has incredible, I, I think, I think his defense right now could play in the major leagues. It's that good. Yeah. And his speed could definitely play in the major leagues. So what they need to coach out of him, um, honestly, I think, um, it's just a little bit more average, uh, just come by a little average, a little bit more. We know he can walk. Um, is he a little bit too selective at times? That's the question you think about when you have the walk rate being as high as this guy's walk rate is, um, you know, it's, it's just more contact, more barrel contact. Um, and maybe just be slightly more aggressive. You don't want to change this guy's game completely, but he could use to be a little bit more aggressive if his hit tool can build up a little bit more. So build the hit tool. Tell him to be just slightly more aggressive while not going overboard. Um, that's a hard thing to do for any player development team. But yes, this guy is fantastic. Again, like I said, he he will be a shortstop very long-term. It's just a very high floor player. Um, and I, I think he's very good. A very, very good player. I'm very excited for Nassim. The jump to double A was fantastic. So this was a very deserved award for him. I had the same uh, at this level. I also had just to call it out very quickly because I know you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Just call it out very quickly. I did have a slight nod to Cody Morris set here just because every player that I talked to with Beloit called this guy out as the leader of the team. So okay. Nasi 100% deserves this award, but Cody also had a very impressive season. Maybe not with the stats, but just stuff that he did in the clubhouse was very special. So yeah, um, Nasim for sure. Special guy. I just hope um, those things can permeate uh, as he grows with the game. So Excited. we'll see what the Marlins can do with him. Exciting for sure. Everything I've seen, any clip I've seen, I'm just like, whoa, Nassim looks like he could be a real, real stud at shortstop. So excited to see. Um, two guys, briefly, we've probably got two minutes to get on each of these guys. Sure. One of them is an Alex Carver darling, is how I would describe it. Troy Johnston picking up the Pensacola oh, MVP. Troy is still, he's just absolutely tearing it up. The last two seasons, I would say he's been absolutely on fire. Uh, maybe even longer, but I mean, the name's been popping. When I think of Troy Johnson, I think of Alex Carver, which is funny because when I think of Uri Perez, I think of Danny DeVivo. I'm yeah. not sure who's got the better out of those two, but nevertheless, I know you've you know been a big fan of his. Um, you know, what's what's his year looked like in 22, Troy? And again, like, is, is he is he knocking on the door now of uh, the major league level, do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it's been an interesting year for him, just to get to him briefly. I mean, we, we know what he did with the Wahoos, which is why he won this war, 292, 360, 450, which is crazy. Just the project, the, 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 the amount of, of numbers that he put up with the Wahoos was crazy. Um, and his walks to strikeouts was also really good. Didn't really, didn't really strike out a lot there either, but then man, he went up to Jacksonville and just fell flat. Mm. Um, he also went through an injury 
So um, it didn't translate to Jacksonville at all, which is strange to see because you don't think of that as really a, a very high jump up the ladder, and it really isn't. No. Um, so really, I think he was just, you know, struggling from the amount of reps that he was getting. Um, you know, uh, this is definitely his most extensive, the most extensive baseball season that he's ever played. So um, maybe just the body wearing down late in the season is what I would point to. But uh, 29 yeah. game the Jacksonville did not do well. But uh, but I would not point to that and say that Troy Johnson is not a fantastic, projectable player who could contribute very, very soon. So I was glad to see this for Troy. He's a very, very scientific hitter. He'll tell you that himself, always around the cage when he was younger. Um, just, just a really fun player that is not talked about a lot that I think should be talked about more. He was old when he came here. He was old for his level when he started out. He started with Batavia back in 2019, kind of old for the level. But man, went to double A this year, like you said, and he's the MVP. So um, it's wow. it's a fun, fun guy to watch. It's a fun guy to talk to and a super nice guy. So I'm excited for Troy, man. Doesn't get talked about as much as she should, but I think he's very close to contributing to Miami. Love it. Love it. We I've got one final question for you, and you've probably got 60 seconds to roll on it. Sure. Who's your favorite Nanuri Perez prospect in the Marlins system right now? Ooh. Wow. This is a hard one. Uh, Yiddy's up there, man. Uh, Yiddy's up there uh, for sure. Um, Another one I will say, and I mentioned, I kind of alluded to him before, but I'll give it to you now. Mm -hmm. My other one is Dax Fulton. Um, Yeah. Oh boy. Dax Fulton is a special, special pitcher. His stats in um, Beloit didn't speak to it because he was just so hard of luck there. Like if you look at his FIP versus his ERA, like his, I think his ERA was slightly over four, but his FIP was like 3.3 two or something. So, and then he goes to Pensacola and gets the jump up right behind Yuri as a 20 year old. And man, look at the stats for Dax. He struck at a career high 13 in a season defining game. Like if they would have lost that game, their season's over. And he goes and strikes out a career high 13 batters. Like it's crazy. Like this guy's will to compete. He's just a straight competitor. He has three bordering on four, very good pitches. The curveball is insane. He's a bigger, stronger Braxton Garrett. And you yeah. saw what Braxton Garrett did here late as a much smaller, much more compact guy. No knocks on Braxton because he's been awesome. But this guy is very good at a younger age. I think this guy is amazing. So Dax Fulton and Yiddy are going to be my two guys that are non-Yuri prospects that I'm pointing to to say these are the real deal. Absolutely love it. Alex Carver, absolutely love you as well, brother. Appreciate you for joining me uh, on Locked on Marlins on Friday, Friday's episode. So guys, sip on those beers, enjoy them. And of course, I will be back on Monday. Of course, it's a daily pod and it's the final week of the Major League season. So we'll be back to wrap up all of the news and action next week and then start again into the offseason and look ahead. Guys, thanks for joining me this week. Thanks to Alex Carver today. And I will be back next week.